This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. For me, it is great to be back here at Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Well, what a day it is. There's more fallout from the case of the Alberta couple found guilty in the death of their child. After the jury ruled that David and Colette Stephan failed to provide the necessaries of life, David Stephan, the father of the dead child, 19-month-old Ezekiel, took to Facebook to tell the jury that they were wrong. And not only were they wrong, but they set a dangerous precedent. And I quote, The floodgates have now been opened, and if we do not fall into line with parroting as seen fit by the government. Boy, This from parents who treated their mortally ill child with things like chili peppers, horseradish, and echinacea instead of taking him to the hospital. Meanwhile, 43 doctors from around the country signed a letter urging that the naturopath who sold the parents the echinacea should also be held accountable. Following that complaint, the Ontario College of Naturopathic Doctors of Alberta has opened an investigation. On the line, we have the family doctor who initiated the letter, Dr. Michelle Cohen in Brighton, Ontario. Dr. Cohen, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on. What prompted you to write this letter? Well, it seemed to me and my colleagues that there was something missing in terms of the uh, investigation into this case. All of the emphasis had been on the parents up to this point, um, which obviously was important. There were criminal charges brought, but there were some real questions about clinical misconduct and professional misconduct that seemed to have not been addressed. Uh, And it seemed to me when I looked into it further as though the College of Naturopathic Doctors had never really addressed it with her. It wasn't clear that they had ever investigated her. She remains a member in good standing according to their website, and she's still practicing. So in the four years since Ezekiel's death, there's been no indication to the public that she's faced any kind of discipline or remediation or retraining or or anything to address what happened that day. I gather that there are conflicting reports about exactly what her role was. I mean, some people say she she says she didn't see the child or she never met with them. Other people said that, yes, she did. She talked to the mother and sold the echinacea, even though she never actually saw the patient, the child. Exactly. So I think there are enough suspicious or concerning elements to this case that the college really needs to investigate to determine exactly what happened. Um, if at the worst she did talk to Ezekiel's mother, hear that the concern was meningitis and provide a treatment without even looking at him or examining him, then then I would consider that to be gross malpractice. Uh, Even if she didn't, she was still aware that someone was in the clinic that day purchasing a treatment for a sick child. So the question that we want the college to to answer in addition to investigating her conduct is also what is the, the responsibility of a naturopathic doctor who sells treatments out of their own clinic? Patients leave with a certain sense of security that they're buying something that's not just over-the-counter from a health food store, that they're getting something that comes 
from a naturopath, from their own clinic. There's a certain sense that a doctor has recommended that treatment. And if they're going to use the privilege of calling themselves doctors to, to profit directly from that by selling products out of their clinic, then I think we need to start to discuss what the responsibility is that comes with that privilege when there is such a negative outcome such as Ezekiel suffered. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are also conflicting reports about whether she told them to take the child to the hospital. Exactly, yeah. So she, she says that she talked to them on the phone, or she delivered a message via her secretary on the phone to take the child to see a doctor. But then, you know, it seems as though perhaps later on she didn't deliver that same message and let them leave the clinic with the sense that they had a treatment that was appropriate, which was most certainly not appropriate. And this was only a couple of days before he died. Uh, I think it was actually a day before he day died. Day before he died, yeah. So, you know, you could, you could say that, that she delayed him receiving any other care by giving him another therapy. Yeah, I just want to give out our numbers uh, to our listeners because I'm sure listeners have a lot to say about this case. Mm-hmm. So if you want to weigh on the in on this, listeners, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. Uh, now, Dr. Cohen... Do you in your own practice have experience where people want to rely on what a naturopath says, even if it may contradict more traditional medical advice? Well, I see a broad, a broad spectrum of people. There are many people who see alternative health, health practitioners um, in addition to, to receiving more standard or traditional medical care. And, and I think that that's fine. I have no problem with that. I know some of my colleagues feel a bit differently than I do, but I think there, there is a role uh, for alternative medicine as a complement to traditional medicine. And there are definitely some people who, who insist on follow, you know, eschewing sort of the, the traditional recommendations that I would make in following other practices. And, and as long as they're aware of the, of the choice that they're making and aware of the con- potential consequences, that's fine. I just think when, when we're talking about a child, the situation is different. A child cannot advocate for themselves, especially someone as young as Ezekiel was. Uh, a child cannot n- always necessarily tell us with their words just how sick they are, and they can also become much much sicker, much more seri- much more quickly than an adult would. So I think the standard needs to be a little bit different when we're talking about children. I mean, one of the things that really struck me about this story where, where they said the child was too stiff to be put in his car seat, they yeah. laid him on the floor of the car on a mattress, yeah. and then take him to a naturopath instead of calling an ambulance. It, it's heartbreaking. He really, he needed to be in the hospital at that point. It's, it's heartbreaking. And they actually knew that he had meningitis. They Googled it. So again, um, you know, naturopaths uh, are regulated by self-regulating bodies. Do you think that will be sufficient? Well, I think they, if they're going to be a self-regulating body, like the other regulated health professions, then they need to behave that way. So one of the main features or, or responsibilities of a self-regulating body is that they discipline the membership when there's something that has a- happened, that someone has behaved in a way that is below the standard of care, and they communicate that standard of care to the rest of the membership so that everyone knows the way that they're supposed to behave, and everyone is continually being educated on, on cases where, you know, learning from cases where the standard of care was not maintained and upheld, and learning what the consequences are of that happening. So we need an indication from the, from the naturopathic college that they are doing that. They're fulfilling their mandate as a self-regulating body. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there's any danger in leaving it to them? 
um, if they don't do their their job, then then I guess that there could be some potential danger, and that would really be an issue for the Minister of Health in Alberta to to decide to look into. Um, they were they were granted the ability to self-regulate in 2012. So, you know, it would be up to the government to decide if they're fulfilling that mandate appropriately or not and protecting the public the way that they're supposed to be. Um, again, uh, you know, uh, I'm just interested. I know, um, and I've come into contact with this myself, people who believe in natural medicine almost like a religion. I mean, for instance, I know that when when I had cancer, a lot of people people that I didn't even really know came to me and, and some of them being very insistent about things that I should take for a life-threatening disease. How does this happen and what kind of a problem is it in your view? Well, I, I think it's a problem when people don't see that the two types of, of medicine are important to be used together. You know, I think you cannot, in a really serious condition, just completely ignore all medical advice. Um, so it, it's, I, I think alternative health can, alternative health care can exist in a complementary sense um, in addition to traditional medical care, uh, but uh, you, you cannot be a replacement. So you know, some people do have a very strong sense that they want to uh, replace traditional medical care with alternative health care, and, and that leads to tragedies like what happened to Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with other similar cases? Uh, not personally, no, no. I mean, I, I, you read about uh, things here and there, but I, I haven't, uh, I haven't discovered anything, and it's certainly not anything that I've learned about in my practice or encountered in my practice. Fortunately, do you see similarities here with people who say refuse to vaccinate their children? Uh, p- potentially, um, I mean, everyone. There are different reasons that people choose not to vaccinate. There's quite a lot. It's quite a complicated issue. So there are, are, are lots of different reasons. Some of them do have to do with. Uh, denying the importance of, of traditional medical care, but there are so many other complicated issues that are all caught up in, in the vaccine issue. It's not really uh, not necessarily uh, synonymous or, or, or uh, similar to what happened in this case. Okay. Doctor, I'd like us to take a call, if that's okay. Sure. And we have uh, Dennis on the line in Vineland. Hi, Dennis. Hi. How are you? Just great. Go ahead. You're on the air. Um, I just want to ask the doctor about uh, opening this can of worms because I think it is a can of worms uh, attacking the naturopathic profession uh, who I feel they do an awful lot of good um, well it's not attacking not, the naturopathic not looking at uh, not looking at their own profession how many deaths are caused by physicians doctors um, surgeons making mistakes, causing death by giving the wrong medicine, giving the medicine that uh, counteracts with another medicine, not being aware of that. Um, it's it's in the thousands every year. Right. So yet, mistakes are made nobody, um, by nobody ever. Here, let, uh, let her answer. That. Dennis, let her answer. So okay. mis- mistakes are made by practitioners of all kinds, and that is where the college, the relevant college in the relevant province, needs to step in and discipline that practitioner. So I'm an Ontario physician. Well, I'm regulated by the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. So should I make a critical error, I would be disciplined by my college. And whenever another physician or surgeon makes an error, we learn about it and we learn what the standard of care is relevant to our specialty. So I'm not attacking 
naturopaths as a group, I'm asking the naturopathic college to behave the way a regulatory body should and step in and decide if a mistake has been made and if discipline needs to be applied the same way that the other regulating bodies do. The, you know, the chiropractic regulating body, the nurses, the nurse practitioners, they all have their own regulating bodies. And so we're just asking the naturopathic college to do the same thing that the other regulating bodies do. Yeah, but it's only if um, the mistake is brought to the brought to light. I'm sure there's an awful lot of mistakes that are made by doctors that are just um, just swept under the carpet. That's uh, probably because, true. Well, sure. I mean, oh, well, he's we 78 can years old. What do you expect? Mistakes made by everybody, but, um, but the, the point is that the self-regulation is is a is a privilege and a responsibility. Mm-hmm. So that needs to be addressed. You cannot just ignore when, when a child dies in this manner. Well, my point is that there's an awful lot of deaths that are caused by the medical profession, and yet nothing is ever said or done about it. That's not true. Yeah. I mean, the ones that come no, to light my, are my investigated. My father died, and yep. my mother went to a meeting with the doctor after and he said I killed your father I made a mistake nothing happened to him but did you make a complaint he made a mistake and did you make a complaint to whom my father the was college. he was 76 years old my mother was in grieving she's not gonna she's not going to uh, make any complaint well no. that's that's kind of I'm not very sorry about back. I'm very sorry about about your your father, but that's the way it works. And the other interesting thing, uh, Dr. Cohen, if Dr. Cohen had not got this letter, this letter together, nothing would have been done. Because when it comes to these self-regulating colleges, you have to file a formal complaint. I mean, I've I've had experiences too where. Uh, you know, things happened to me that I thought were not right, and I also decided I didn't want to go to the headache of making a complaint, but that you have to make a complaint. Uh, Dr. Cohen, is is there something that has to be changed about that? Um, well, that's a question for the, the colleges. You know, they all work in the same way. So uh, complaints can be made by patients. Complaints can also be made by other healthcare practitioners. So if if other people around a particular case where a mistake was made feel that there's something that that happened that was inappropriate, then we're really required to inform the college if something happened, uh, another practitioner, not even within our own um, area. You know, if if a different, a practitioner from a different field makes a mistake that is really an an issue of clinical misconduct, then I am actually required by the Regulated Health Professions Act to report that person. So that would be the other way that these things can come to light. Okay. Uh, okay, Dennis, thanks much. for your call. Uh, we're going to move on to Janice because we don't have too much time left. Hi, Janice. Yes, hi. How are you? Fine, thanks. Um, this is a very, very important topic that is being discussed, and I'm glad it's being discussed on the air. Um, the issue with regards to the relationship between the naturopathic profession and medis- medical profession is uh, a political issue from where I see it. They're both uh, registered under the same health act, and uh, there is a competition from where I see, uh, financial competition and reputation competition between two professions. Now, with regards to uh, 
negligence of uh, by naturopath or by medical doctor, when the death occurs uh, from the hand of uh, so-called conventional medicine, I do not believe it becomes a part of political debate. But when we we need is, to get to your question, Janice, because we're going to have to wrap up quickly. So do so you have my, my question? My question is: Why is it that when there is a death occurred, um, supposedly with involvement of naturopath, at this time we don't know. There is no political. Uh, there is a political debate. Why is it then when there is a death occurred from the hands of the doctor, which was addressed by a previous caller? My question is. Why is it does not become a, a part of political debate on their radio? Why okay, let's try to get an answer. By, by, by the college. Yeah, okay, so we're going to... I would disagree. I think actually the opposite. I think when, when there is a highly publicized death of a, particularly a child, uh, the doctors involved usually are named. They're usually discussed quite extensively in the media, and a quite, quite a bit of attention is usually focused on them. So I would actually say the opposite. I would say in this situation, if this had been, say, a family doctor or a pediatrician who had potentially treated the child without examining him or ignored the concern about meningitis, there would be quite a lot more attention paid to that person than there has been paid thus far to Dr. Tannis. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't see Dr. Dr. Cohen, mm-hmm. uh, thanks very much. Uh, we're going to have to move on. We're going to have another perspective on this uh, after a short break. And uh, Janice, thank you also for your call. Okay, well, thank you very much. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, uh, we have just heard that there will be an investigation into uh, the death of little Ezekiel Stefan by the Alberta College of Naturopaths. So the question is, will this be enough? Britt Hermes is a former naturopath who predicts it will come to nothing. And she also says we should all be concerned about the privileges and scope of practice recently granted to these self-regulating colleges. Britt Hermes is on the line from Germany. Britt, welcome. Hi there. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm fine. Well, you think that nothing will come of this investigation for procedural reasons because this occurred before the College of Naturopaths was actually licensed. Is that right? That's right. There is some... Uh, interesting time points that we need to keep in mind, and it'll be interesting to see what the College of Naturopathic Doctors in Alberta actually does. So as far as I understand, uh, little Ezekiel died in March of 2012, and this is when his mother sought potentially medical recommendations from naturopath Tracy Tanis. And the College of Naturopathic Doctors in Alberta, their authority did not come into force until August of 2012. So it may just be that this is enough time where there is actually no jurisdiction over Tannis' actions in March. Uh, So do you think there's another way that this case should be pursued? There certainly, in my opinion, should be an investigation at uh, the same time by the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Alberta because we don't actually know what Tannis said or did to Ezekiel. Just like you were discussing with Dr. Michelle Cohen, there are some inconsistencies in the testimony and the 
the facts, I guess you could say, of what actually happened, whether or not uh, Tana saw the child and whether or not she was acting as a medical provider for Ezekiel. And if an investigation determines that Tannis was providing medical advice to Ezekiel, it could be that she could be found to have been practicing medicine without a license. And in that case, I believe it's the authority of the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Alberta to then look into whether or not they want to charge her. And do you think there would be a point to that? Would it help anything? Well, I think it would certainly help the public understand what happened, and it would also help the public understand why Ezekiel's parents maybe made some of the decisions that they made. You know, they went to Tannis potentially looking for medical recommendations. We know, given the history and the business practices of the family, that they were into natural medicine. But when you are going to someone looking for health advice and that person is posing as a doctor, just as Dr. Cohen said, you're going to listen very carefully to what that person's saying. And there's an inherent relationship of trust that you know, is being built between you and whoever's acting as physician in that scenario. So I think it would be helpful because it would help us understand uh, why Ezekiel's parents may be potentially delayed uh, bringing Ezekiel to the hospital sooner. Okay. I think we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks so much for your insight on that, Britt. We appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.